to the Learning and Development Podcast. I'm David James from Loop, and each episode I chat with guests about what lights them up in the world of people development. In this episode, I'm speaking with Mike Shaw from Emerald Works about curation in L&D, which was a topic suggested by Shona Hodgson on LinkedIn. But before we do, if you're enjoying this podcast, please do give us a five-star rating on your podcast app of choice to help others to find us. And thank you if you've done so already. Now, let's get into it. Mike, welcome to the Learning and Development Podcast. Hi, hi David. Um, so Mike, curation both seems to have been around for a while and remains a hot topic for L&D. Um, some will have been curating for a while, some may have dabbled uh, and some may not. Uh, and I'm sure that there'll be many listening uh, who are still unsure what it actually is in the context of L&D. So perhaps we should start there. Uh, Mike, killer question start with, what does curation in L&D mean? It's a good place to start, I guess, isn't it? Um, I, I mean, for me, it is a, it's, it's a bit of a, I guess, a bit of a sort of mindset around workplace learning. You know, how mm. are we going to do learning? Um, and I, and I, I suppose for me, there's kind of three things when I think about this. Um, it's about, uh, I suppose, it's sort of the, you know, what we're doing: we're finding content. Mm. One, we're shaping content. We're sh- you know shaping it, contextualizing it, and then thirdly, we're helping people to learn from it. Mm. Um, and I suppose I often look at it as sort of sometimes telling a story, a bit of a learning story for people. Mm. So just to maybe go into those fractionally, fraction more. Um, I think the finding, the identifying content, you know, got a range of resources, uh, internal as well as external. People sometimes forget about the internal ones. Yeah. Um, for a particular theme, a particular purpose, helps shaping the content to a particular sort of piece of learning. Um, and I think the adding context is, is critical. I mean, totally critical um, uh, around kind of where, where does this fit into the organization or the individual mm. or the particular thing we're trying to tell? How are we trying to build that learning experience? What's it for? And then the third bit around really trying to help it, apply it to people's own roles. Mm. Um, it, you know, where does this piece fit in with me? How can I learn from it? How can I use this to reflect on my own uh, experience? Um, you know, and and and, and I, so for me, it, it those are the key elements, I guess, and and I think then you can kind of, uh, you know, bolt on other elements, um, things like uh, for me, a really key thing is that sort of social element, mm. um, helping to bring people in for conversations together on on what they've been looking at, what they've been learning. Um, so, so that's how I kind of view uh, curation, I guess. Mm. Um, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think that, uh, that that it's particularly pertinent for learning and development. I think because uh, we we do love to create, and I think that uh, that the, the history of learning and development, certainly since I've been in since the nineties, has been the creation of uh, of programs and the creation of content. And I think that when curation. Uh, emerged, it was acknowledging that we don't have to create everything from scratch, that, that, that these flagship programs and these, these suites of e-learning, uh, they, they're not filling a void. Um, and I think that, that curation acknowledges that this stuff actually exists, as you say, mm-hmm. internally yeah. as well as externally. And if we are really clear about what it is that we're trying to achieve, then we'll find that there are a plethora of resources. And I like what you've just said there. It's not just about um, uh, curating digital content because content, 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 again, seems to be the, mm-hmm. you know, a mantra that learning and development um, <laughs> uh, recognize and, uh, and seek. 
but if we understand if we if we fully acknowledge that in the pursuit of solutions to define problems that solutions are likely to exist in different forms then that gathering yeah. that sense making and then surfacing as and when it's needed could be could be more powerful than uh, than, than the time we spend away in creation Oh, I, I think it's massively, massively powerful. I think it helps people. It's created and, and correctly, and it, it helps people to reflect, uh, think through their own situation, think through their own position and, and what they're looking at. It helps people really. It, it, you know, I, I use that word story, or you mm. could use the word journey, though it's a bit, a bit too much an X factor word for me. Um, <laughs> um, you know, that that learning journey really, and how and how that works for them. And I think it probably the way we'll no doubt get onto this. It, the way it's designed really helps people to have some time to reflect and think through things in their own time, perhaps as well, mm. which I think is critical for learning. Things don't just happen a big bang, do they? It's, yeah. They 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 rarely work like that. They usually kind of creep up on us as we're thinking them, thinking mm. through these things. So yeah, um, curating rather than creating um, um, is absolutely right. Yeah. Mm. Um, can you remember, Mike, when you first became aware of curation in L and D and how you initially interpreted it? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of got involved in uh, sort of for corporate learning development about five, six years ago, and um, I started. I came across this really uh, via work of Ben Betts, um, at, well, and yourself actually, mm. um, and, and 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 also touching on some of Harold Yarshay's personal knowledge mastery and, and that in. And when I heard about that, I heard people talking about that. I was, it was like, oh yeah. Of course, it's, <laughs> this is this is it's kind of quite obvious in many ways. Mm. This is and it's really exciting. I don't quite know what, but it really gave me a spark. So it's been something I've been really, really into over the last sort of five, six years, and really keen to use. And I, and I suppose um, I started to understand how it really links to the workplace learning over and above, as we referenced a minute ago, kind of that content dumping thing. Mm. Don't just chuck stuff at people, but make it into something. Make that journey. Make that story. Um, so, and, and I suppose it's that idea of rec realizing that ultimately anything is out there, mm. you know, um, if we're talking about external stuff, you could sit at your computer long enough. You could probably find literally anything you needed if you sat there long enough. Now I'm not suggesting yeah. that there is a role adding in to whatever you're making about looking at internal stuff. And there is a role about adding even some of your own creative, creative stuff, mm. if it's filling a gap. Um, but, that, but that's not a starting point. That's the kind of the fill in the gap bit. Yeah. And, I, and I suppose I got really excited for me, particularly in an area uh, working for an organization at the time, um, which didn't have any resources or wasn't prepared to give me any resources anyway. It was, a, it was the ability to do something that was actually could be done very cheaply. I mean, mm. I free really. Um, recognizing there was so much out there, recognizing that um, it was about creating. Um, resources in a way that really could grab people's attention um and 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 i suppose for me the excitement of it was a bit around joining that recognition there's a massive stuff out there massive materials in all sorts of formats that you could then link in very specifically to what you wanted to try and create and that for me still adds that excitement mm. um and i suppose that's what you know, and, and as time's gone on in recent years, being able to kind of uh, refine that a bit more and get into that a bit more with a bit more sophistication, I guess. Mm. Leads me on uh, uh, nicely to to the next question, but I want um, 
but but there's a phrase you use there, which I think um, is the power and a potential pitfall of curation, where you say about filling a gap. So, so when I first became aware of curation, um, it would have been after leaving Disney, which was my my first my last um, corporate role. Um, but like many in L and D, I'm so busy doing learning and development in Disney. I'm not lifting my head up to see what's really going on. And like you, you hear about curation, you understand what it's like what it is and then you think wow of course you know that would be incredibly powerful and to an extent we're probably doing a little bit of it but you know you formalize it though you uh, you understand it uh, the, the the context gives it purpose and then uh, of course it's it's a, a incredibly valuable tool but um when i first started reading about it and probably for the first two years I was concerned that the role of the curator in L&D was filtering stuff for the business. And I thought, oh, wait a minute, I don't I don't I don't see that as particular value. And I think that that if that that feels like another bottleneck to me uh, for for L&D. Right. And, and I and I just thought if you're reducing the shower to a trickle again, where's Where's the value? And I think I think it always comes down to um, for what purpose are you actually doing it, and then putting the user at the heart of that, not L and D. You know, if we've already yeah. got LMSs filled full of um, uh, very immersive, generic e-learning, what it doesn't need then is a whole load of other stuff that that the L and D department then considers useful on top, especially if it's just filling a gap. Yeah, I mean, it's the so what question, I suppose. Yeah. Um, you've got all this stuff, and and it's all what 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 you know, what's it for? What are you trying to do? And so you talk about putting the you know the, the person that's going to be using that people at the cent- people at the centre of this. It's I mean, it, it is like any piece of learning in a sense of being really really clear what you're trying to do mm. and what your outcome is. You know, what what what's the issue? What's the challenge? Um, what you're trying to do and what you're looking to it's for it to achieve. Mm. And, and and I think you add into that, of course. Oh, kind of well, what's the experience you want people to have as well? But I think if you stick with the with the with a proper piece of analysis, what you are able to do is make sure you are sourcing that material really effectively or, mm. or identifying that. I mean, it, you know, I've mentioned how Yashe he he talks about seek sensing and sharing, and I yeah. think for me that's a really good uh, guide. You know, w- what you wh- where are you looking? What are you looking for? Mm. Um, Really sensing that is the right material. It hits the right need. It's going to benefit benefit someone by looking at it, reading it, seeing it, listening to it, um, and 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 I suppose the sharing a bit is that you know is 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 you know how exactly you're going to sort of create that and sculpt that. Mm. I, I kind of look at the curation piece around uh, as a kind of as a kind of crafting it really. So mm. rather than that, as you say, that sort of just trickle that avalanche moving to a trickle. Um, Oh, it's to be a waterfall probably rather than that. Mm. <laughs> um, you know, rather than that, just that trickle, you're actually taking that trickle, but you're you're crafting as to where it goes and what it to, what it, what it leads to. And I guess that's the, the kind of contextualizing bit. Mm. If it's very clearly contextualized and you're asking people to do something with it as well. I think mm. that's the, you know, we know that people don't learn just passively. Uh, just look at stuff, stuff and read it. It's not going to necessarily get very far. You have to make it into a kind of active engage- piece of engagement. Mm. Um, and I think for me, that 
is, is open, you know, like any piece of learning to anything really. But I think you're asking people often in my work, I found I'm asking people to sometimes merely reflect on something they've read or looked at as to how that fits into their world. Um, maybe what their particular learning that of that is from their own experience. Uh, perhaps it's uh, a scenario you're taking from something on the back mm -hmm. of a piece of content and asking people to say, okay, apply that now. Um, there's a million things under the sun. I mean, I come from formal education background actually so i found there's a lot of scope to really borrow that kind of approach in a learning context the formal learning context mm. to a workplace learning context um and, and probably have more fun because there's no one overlooking overlooking to see what qualification that meets and what criteria that meets so um but i think that's the thing and i think that's an engaging bit then and i think that's the piece that really you know clearly adds the value mm. to the content um and uh, you know, and, 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 and I, I can talk to them a bit, you know, about some of the ways I've used it. But I think what it does is it is if you're very specific around the context and how you're taking someone through a particular journey, then you can make it relate directly to their work, directly mm. to, you know, what they're doing at the moment and, and, and possibly in the flow of their own learn in the flow of their own work. Mm. And, uh, uh, you know, I think that's what has the sort of the sophistication to it, as opposed to just taking content and dumping it, which I think is the you know, a potential problem with LMSs or LXPs, you know, mm. there's some brilliant content, but brilliant content is, is so what, you know, yeah. what, what, what are you doing with that, you know? Yeah, it's one of the questions I, I, I get most when, when pe people ask how much content there is in the LMS, <laughs> you're thinking, in my, in, in my view, it should be as little as possible. <laughs> like, the, you, should, you should be operating on a, uh, on a um, very much a, um, a needs basis, but, uh, but now some of them are, are sold on the, on the, on the premise that there's uh, there's exhaustive, which which of course is a problem in itself, and probably a podcast mm. in itself. And yep. we've we've touched on upon it uh, so far, Mike. And I'd like to get into some specifics. Uh, could you share with us uh, how you uh, curate in your role, what problems you're solving, and what impact you seek to make? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, many ways it 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 could be looking to solve anything, I guess, and mm. I, and the sort of things I've. You know, and I and I and I run the risk in a way people often used to or still do in some cases default to courses. If I'm not careful, I run the risk of just sort of defaulting to curation. So mm. I, I love it. Um, um, so I have to sort of just you know check myself sometimes. But the sort of things um, you know I, I found it works really well for is uh, helping to really help people feed, in, feed into people's thinking and understanding. It's often possibly some deeper subjects, mm. um, things we're looking for some sort of behavior change in. Um, so whether that's things like helping uh, new managers into role mm. and taking them through a bit of a, you know, the first two months or something, um, whether that's helping to shift, say, some approaches to sales I've been doing in recent time, helping people to move from a sort of transactional approach to selling to a more, to a more, a sort of transformative, um, wiser understanding of how they're selling products in our business. Um, we're working on at the moment with a um, piece of everyday coaching across the whole group and using a, a range of resources to help people develop their skills and understanding. Um, that won't sit on its own. It'll be part of a blended piece of work that will then will involve some uh, um, live online activities possibly supported mm. with some digital resources as well so um so it's not it's not necessarily something that just necessarily just sits on its own and is a sole piece mm. it will sometimes be part of a wider blended piece as well although not necessarily so for me i, I suppose I'm, I'm the sort of things i'm looking to when i sort of think of my 
list? What am I using it for? It's it's stuff that gives people some time and space to reflect. Mm. Uh, it allows people to work at their own pace. Um, working in a global company, often it's about uh, having something to say synchronous. Mm-hmm. Not, not that the, it has to be global, but clearly when we've got people working in Australia and then, and then the Americas, it, it you know that clearly is another uh, advantage. Mm. Um, possibly where I'm looking to uh, put some simulation in, getting people to sort of simulate some experiences. Um, and then also, you know, I said that story creation. Um, so, you know, I think we use for very deep stuff, mindset change, behavior change. Mm. Um, and that's sort of what I find myself where I am. I mean, I know it can be used quite heavily uh, as well for compliance. I do very little compliance. So um, for myself, I don't, you know, I, I, I don't need to worry about that, but, but I think it can be. And I think sometimes, you know, I mean, compliance is, is another whole uh, hour discussion, of course, mm. uh, although maybe not a very exciting one. Um, but, um, but actually, the, the curation concept does make it exciting. And mm. I, think it was, I think it was when I first heard you talking about using curation for compliance, that was a bit of a um, light bulb moment because mm. that was like, ah, oh, you can say it's something that's kind of quite dull and be, be made to be quite sort of individualized and specific mm. and that was kind of really exciting so i said at the top of that question it could be used for anything i think yeah. i think it can, i think the starting point can be it could very well be used for nearly anything you just be very careful about what you know be very clear what you want mm. yeah I, you know the um and to uh to, to provide some context I remember talking about uh, uh using curation in compliance because uh often the need for compliance and regulation comes from a really interesting interesting a messy situation but the problem is is that uh, i still never seen interesting e-learning uh, or compliance e-learning because it's usually sanitized to the point of um uh a, a other which it, it, it strips out all of the interest uh, and puts in a facile scenario to 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 try to make the point. But when you're looking at why the UK Bribery Act exists and you you, you look at news stories, you can actually really mm. bring it to life. And then people will go, "Yeah, I saw that," and then think, "Oh." I can actually see how that would impact me there. You keep it messy, you keep it gritty, you don't create scenarios of Bob walking to the shops and, <laughs> you know, you're thinking it's just the dullest thing in the world, whereas it, it yeah. emanates from some of the most interesting stuff. Uh, yeah, and to, and, you know, and to be that excited about, about uh, I'm apologies to people whose work is around compliance, I, you know, it's some good stuff there, but, but, you know, and, but have a look at that because that is mm. what brings it to life. And actually, it's probably quicker, probably cheaper as well. If you're not creating mm. something new, um, it, it, as you say, it links into the real world. Yeah. Um, it, it, you know, there's it's a, it's a list along your arm of ways mm. that can make even, comp- you know, compliance exciting. And if it does that with compliance, imagine what it can do for other pieces of work as well. Yeah. So uh, I think, I think it's that it's exciting genuinely mm. it, it, it's exciting um mm. yeah and I, I know i can you know said give some examples maybe of, of, of how i use that in some you know particular pieces of work perhaps yeah i'd love to yeah please do um, i mean I, I was thinking back you know where, where are the best examples i suppose um and, and i what i should say so i always feel guilty you know people talk about what they're doing how it works is that they're you know to present it's all brilliant or wonderful and, all, mm. and always goes great guns you know that's not true i doubt i i, I try stuff out and we see how it yeah. works sometimes it works better than others other ways other times um and um and sometimes it doesn't work at all and you've got to go back to the drawing board but 
I mean, I've used it quite re recently and, and in my pre previous company, uh, particularly around line management or people leader programs. Um, I, I referenced one a bit a while ago in a, in a last organization I put something together that was really taking line managers, new line managers on a sort of two month, their two month journey. Mm. And we're able to um, break that into sort of their different modules that related to their, their, you know, their journey the week before they started, uh, particularly if they were in-house and they were having to kind of get used to that kind of moving from manager to ma from team member to manager. Mm. Um, then their first week, they were helping them to reflect on how that worked, what they learned about the new team, what they were thinking, taking them through to then their first meeting, how they're going to manage their first meeting and, and, and taking them through those very sort of those sort of chronological steps i guess so yeah. that was the story um and the skill and, and 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 obviously the resort stacks of resources out there i mean because you can as you'll know around leadership management just stacks and and finding stuff that really hits the mark that, that helps them just reflect on where they're going with those first couple of months putting in um and this is an example of something i would have created you know putting in a template actually for their first uh their first meeting how mm. they think because i couldn't find anything out there very quickly and i thought i can create that in 10 minutes why yeah. spend two hours online looking for something and i can create it in five minutes mm. or 10 minutes and that's an example actually of, of combining that you know external internal and a little bit of your own creation um and taking them through the, that 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 process really around the, at their own pace and helping them consider where they were, making a log of it themselves through the process of that, helping them think about their next steps. And, mm. and that piece not, that piece took them through the process of reflection and, and, and setting some goals, having discussions with a line manager. And, 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 and that, I think, worked really well um, mm. or started to work well. The piece it didn't really have, which I would like to have had more of, was that social piece, talking to other managers that were new as well. Yeah. Um, so when I came to where I am now, Emerald was able to, we were able to pull together a people leader program that was taking that a bit further. And we were building in things like gamification, mm. uh, social learning piece. We were building in as well that kind of uh, opportunity for people to uh, submit some of their own experiences. You might, I mean, you know, sharing what they'd done, sharing mm. how they'd, uh, you know, following a module, sharing what they'd experienced in uh you know in, in with their team and how they'd implemented that piece of learning they'd looked at coming back sharing that having that discussion online again it was asynchronous mm -hmm. um what that meant was it, it meant it was far easier to run it was mm -hmm. far easier you know um pragmatically to you know to, to operationally to put in place and what it did is it took people through that again that journey over a year um but people could work at their own pace we did we did facilitate it and put some time constraints into it but equally people were able to work at their own pace and were able to share and talk to each other and, and the gamification bit worked to some extent um because people like sometimes being on a leaderboard or you mm -hmm. know it, they liked being able to get some gold silver bronze emerald stars um mm. you know um as part of that journey but i think that sort of those elements kind of the bits around the edges possibly yeah. um and you know it, it, it it's it's worked it's worked well it obviously moves everything online mm -hmm. we were looking to move completely on di to digital you know a couple of years ago but it also allowed a greater flexibility within that piece of work um and 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 didn't rely on everyone having to come necessarily come together at the same time um and yes i mean so that, that, that's where I, kind of i've been using it you know 
uh, primarily, but but mm. there are other pieces of work where we where we where we fitted it in. I mentioned the sales before, and mm. I've mentioned coaching. We're looking to do some work on at the moment, um, and and re- again help take people through that coaching journey and that learning journey as well. Uh, I think the key thing is to recognise it. It can be blended. It's yeah. fine to be blended. It's not about being purist with this, no. um, like any piece of learning, is it? It's about seeing how this fits in with that within that greater context of learning, really. Well, that's going to be my next question. How do you determine that curation is the right thing for the outcome you're seeking to achieve? I mean, for me, it it, it is around that discovery phase, really, is just Mm. looking through what the challenges are, what the issue is, what that piece of learning is, and what the output is needed, what the performance piece is. It's thinking through how that will work. I suppose the questions I ask myself uh, are, uh, you know, partly what experience I want people to have. Mm. How do I want that engagement piece to be? Uh, so I think engagement, the engagement is key with this. Um, and I think setting up a, a course or, you know, a program, uh, you know, a sort of piece of curation really allows, you to focus, allows us to focus on what that engagement will look like, what we're asking people to do, what, how is that then translating into their own day-to-day experiences? Um, do we want to have time there for people to, you know, visit you know visit that in their own time maybe revisit it mm. so that maybe it's not something that's kind of a big bang done and dusted but we're setting up in a way that encourages people to return to it mm. and uh, at the point at which they need it because you know people don't always need that stuff at the time they're looking at it yeah um and and and, and i do take you know also into consideration around kind of some of the more practicality things what time zones we're looking at something that's asynchronous mm. uh, or we're looking at something we want everyone together at the same time for so those sort of things i suppose uh, yeah uh, yeah i suppose i get a sense these days of where i think it fits in quite nicely often kind of mm. you know a bit of a gut feeling as well um but those sort of questions i suppose i take myself and my team through yeah you mentioned there about uh, about analysis certainly my experience is that um, the more data and evidence-based you can be, the more, uh, in, in the analysis and discovery phase, the, the more obvious, and I say that guardedly, um, the solution seems to present itself. So, so as far as the data is concerned, if you can quantify that, that this is an actual problem. Now, this, you know, I won't go on about this so much on this podcast yeah. because so much yeah. of L&D isn't actually solving a problem that hasn't been engineered by L&D. Uh, and then the evidence, which is, as we've spoke, uh, spoken about already, if you've explored the data with the people you're seeking to influence, then you, then you understand what they are trying to do and what they're not able to do. And then you can see what you what you can pull that already exists from inside and package that up in a way that makes sense and is actionable for uh, for people what can come or what has what should come from outside to provide perhaps further insight uh, into uh, um to somebody who needs to go on their mm. own journey uh, to to, uh, to better performance, uh, and perhaps what then needs to be created from scratch. But but what we generally find is that if you are laser focused on solving real problems, then it becomes the the solution often stares you in the face, and it can be laser focused. And as we've spoken with so many other people on this podcast, that when you are laser focused, you can chew through this work and achieve up to ten times more successful projects than if you do this on purely assumptions or the dreaded learning needs. 
Well, absolutely. And, and then, of course, what you've also got with this is you've got, you've got as you say, if you've, if you've assessed, analysed it effectively with good data, you've got good ways of measuring that at the other end, mm. haven't you? Uh, clarity around what the impact has been. I, you know, I talk about performance um, a lot in my role. Um, um, not, not, not even learning, actually. I try and talk about performance. But the learning yeah. bit, of course, is part of it. But you, if you don't have the performance bit, it's, it's immaterial. Um, yeah. and, and I think as well, what we, can, what we found with actually with... Um, curation is you can also dig into what people are looking at actually yeah. so from a resources perspective what's what have people looked at what's been useful for them mm. um and, th and that's part of therefore helping to feed into that learning design at some point later yeah. down the line um but you're right it's, it's all about data isn't it um which is why i i like asking the question at the beginning well you know what's the problem and how do you know how what, mm. what are you where what have you got to show me that that's the issue and yeah. people do people do get stumped to that point often, don't they? Mm, um, they do. I think that uh, the way the way I've I've, I've been playing with that uh, that idea recently is that uh, that we talk about learning uh, in the uh, in a, in a similar way that coach enthusiasts might talk about coaches. Now, Mike, I once went on holiday to uh, to. Um, um, oh, where, where was uh, where, did, where did we go away to? Um, where was Star Wars, the original Star Wars uh, film? Tunisia, that's it, oh, okay, Tunisia. Right. <laughs> and uh, and, um, uh, and uh, I was talked into going to the Sahara Desert, right? <laughs> it was a 10-hour coach ride, right? So, you, so, you're, so your coach enthusiasts will be talking about the coach ride. Your learning and development enthusiasts will be talking about the learning. Now, I wasn't interested in the coach ride, and I would have done anything to numb that. <laughs> I was interested in being the Sahara Desert. Yep. And I think that when we're talking about learning, we're talking about coach rides. But what yep. the people want is the trip to the Sahara Desert. So that, I think, is uh, is the crucial element here. We should be focusing on performance, and learning is one route. And do you know what another route is? A helicopter, Mike. And I would yep. advocate a helicopter <laughs> over a coach journey any day you know of what? the week. <laughs> I, I like that analogy. I've not heard that before. I like that a lot. I, I really like that. Yeah, it's absolutely true. We, we focus too much. We can't. We run the risk of focusing too much on learning. I, and it sounds bizarre for a learning development professional, but I, mm. I, I, I don't massively like the words learning or development mm. in this context. I think they tell they they say the wrong thing yeah. and they don't help that discussion with business leaders and people in the organisation, mm. which is why I tend to talk, say about performance capabilities uh, mm. and and. Um, but you know, I agree. And I, yeah, I like that coaching, heli coaches, helicopters. Yeah, that's good. That's good. <laughs> uh, well, um, we, we could talk about performance and uh, talk about learning, but there's another, there's another mm. uh, necessary mm. evil here. Well, not so necessary even if you're on <laughs> one of the businesses, but curation does imply a tech solution, especially mm. in 2021. Mm. What are the basic requirements, Mike, uh, of so, tech in curation? Uh, yeah, it's a really good question, actually, because I think there's a risk that people think, oh, it's a, it's a whole techie thing. We need platforms. Yeah. We, need, we, need, we need this. We need, no. and, and, and I'm not saying that's not useful, but I, but I, start, I mentioned before, I started with no money when I did this, hmm. um, an organization. And um, so I think you can, it can be really, really, really low tech. So if you're talking about, as it's called, putting together some resources hmm. and then some questions or some reflection points or some space for people, you know, whatever. I mean, basic, I mean, absolute basic. You can do that on a Word document. You yeah. could do that on a PDF. I mean, you know, there's nothing, there's no barriers. You can no. literally put the links in to something. You can write a narrative and you can put the spaces in, in a good old Word document or mm. turn it into a PDF. So no tech. I mean, I guess that's tech, but yeah. in, in our world, 2021, <laughs> it probably isn't, is it? Um, so no tech at all. So there's no barriers. Mm. Um, if you want to take it a bit further, and I did this actually, I... 
wanted to put it on a bit of a platform and I wanted to have people to share it and I wanted to have a bit of social learning in. So I used, if we're allowed to mention things, I used Slack yeah. for that a few years ago. Um, and it was slightly clumsy, but actually very doable. Free, mm. essentially, could be worked, it could make it work yourself. And it definitely allows people to be on the same platform, looking at the same resources and sharing that mm. experience. Teams, I've done something similar on Teams. Yeah. Not, not, not ideal, but there's functions in there where I think you can do that mm. so i think i think there's that and um so that's that you know it, it's it's there no, no mm. barriers yes you can find platforms and there are platforms out there of course that do this that build in resources um, and, and start to help shape that sort of learning story mm. learning journey but um uh, you know uh, uh, um but i would say you know jump in with with low tech if you if you don't have it yeah, so run an experiment to see uh, and, and refine your own abilities on solving real problems. Uh, and then the smarter tech can come and then uh, reduce, if not eliminate the administration. That's the way I see it. But yeah. there's no reason why you shouldn't just get started with what you've got. Well, because actual, as you say, the actual process, the actual, the actual if you're, and if also if you want to sort of practice it as a practitioner, mm. um, you can just do that because actually the, the skill is the same. Whether you're putting the words and links into a, a you know wonderful platform or sticking it on a Word document, it's it's one hundred percent the same, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so uh yeah that, yeah i think i think that's a i think that's the great bit of it really mm. yeah yeah i agree um mike um what has experience taught you about curation and the pitfalls others may experience as they make their own way um i, I suppose when i think um when i think about the, the my process of I suppose curating the sort of the mechanics of that and looking at what's around it's um, for me, it's about recognizing their stacks out there, but um, it goes back to, again, the seek, sense and share thing. I really yeah. is about going beyond that sort of top line or going beyond the foot, beyond the first page of stuff because there's, there's brilliant resources out there. I mean, some really brilliant things that are free to use. And I think, um, you know, without one people want to spend massive time, it's about it's about doing that, being really clear, being you know. So for me, it's been being about being really, really clear who my audience is mm. and what the purpose is. I've I've I think I've sharpened that. You talk about laser focus on what the uh, you know what you're trying to do in the organisation. I think it's about being laser focused about your audience and purpose mm. linked into that. Um, it's about make it's, and I've I've learnt I suppose to really think well how am I adding the value beyond that piece of content and get better at that. Yeah. Um, helping people to understand what they're about to go into what they're looking at being really clear what we're expecting from people when they look at something. Mm. Um, you know helping helping give them the steps to guide their thinking. When they sit down and look, um, and uh, you know, uh, and I suppose I've got better at um, crafting the you know the, the, the thing I'm putting together, um, and I suppose building in better things. So building in some sort of support tools and resources into something, mm. helping to think about that wider journey and thinking about that. Uh, piece that's around well as we said around performance how are we helping people to really take what they're looking at and really change their behavior and i think so i think you can get all caught up in the curating bit mm. which is fun and sometimes then just forget about well the, the piece around performance if you're yeah. not careful so 
I, I suppose I spent more time thinking about that th these days and mm. being really clear and thinking through, well, how are they taking that and using it and trying that out on people actually saying, mm. read this, look at that, look at the thing I've put together. How will that, where does that help you? Testing that out a bit more forensically, yeah. I think is probably what I'm better at than, than, I, than I was. Um, I would say, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Brilliant. I think that's uh, that's very solid. Uh, and uh, and if I could take you out of the uh, uh, the here and now and the experience you've gained, Mike, and into the future, uh, what plans do you have around uh, uh, around curation? Uh, I, I mean, it's a couple of things. I suppose I'm kind of thinking about. Not done masses about it yet, but looking to sort of explore this a bit more. Um, particularly that sort of respond, I suppose, to some of the challenges that are there. As I said at the top, you know, it, it, it's not all perfect. There are definitely mm. challenges. I think one of those is around engagement um, as much as we're, you know, uh, and I guess that's a challenge for lots of LNT, isn't it? How do you get people to do stuff? Mm. People sit like that. And I do think if you design it right, that's, that's, that's where it sits, but it's mm. not always that simple. So we're kind of been thinking and talking about that sort of nudge thing which i know is out there a lot and chat bots and how or how bots can help with that generally yeah. you know is there a way in which bots can help people to either push people to certain content in the context of something you've created something that can kind of remind people about that or more so going back to the point i was talking around embedding behavior change can we look at things that will nudge people to apply that learning mm -hmm. and to think about how they embed that um so it takes the it, it goes it, it's that step beyond the learning as we're mm. saying and helping people to go back to that resource think about how it applies and then use it and, and then seeing what tech's out there and I think the and I'm not you're probably more expert on that than I am well I'm sure you are um, I mean there's stuff that's out there and it's just really seeing what is there and what and how mm. it's developing um, I mean the other thing for me is around also is around having around sort of platforms. Mm. For what I said before is you don't need platforms, you don't, but equally platforms can really help the design process really nicely yeah. and can build in some of those other things, as I said, around kind of, um, you know, gamification, the social learning piece. Yeah. And I'm kind of back on that search to see, well, what, what platforms can help with that across my organization? Mm -hmm. uh, what would be useful? Um, and, and it's not all about platforms, is it? But there's yeah. plenty of platforms sitting in organizations that are just white elephants. So oh, yeah. Ever so, ever so cautious around it, um, but that—that's something I'm really starting to delve in a bit more. And, mm. and I think, and that, and that ties in for me this sort of improved social and collaborative experience because I don't think in learning generally we do enough of that social collaborative piece. And I think for me, this lends itself really well to it, and mm. it's and and, I, and 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 really wants to try and enhance that. And the only other thing, and I suppose that's where the other last bit really is around user-generated content. Mm. And I and I, you know, I think. It's sometimes very easy to talk about um, user generated content and, and think there's going to be people, loads of people sort of, you know, sort of uploading masses of stuff. And I, unless you're a massive whopping organization, mm. I'm not sure how well that works. But I think it works where you're talking about smaller groups of people where they've got a very clear focus and saying, well, how mm -hmm. are you doing this? How are you sharing? How are you using this piece of work? What are you doing? What's your experiences? So, you know, in our example around sales, we're looking to get people to upload be that a short video or be that, mm. that you know, uh, something they've done with a client. So it hasn't got to be large quantities, but I think that builds into the curation piece really well and it adds yeah. to the organisational context. So those are definitely areas I see that we can enhance our kind of overall curation approach. Mm. Yeah, nice. Uh, well, Mike, as we look to wrap up, um, and I know we've, uh, we've just 
we spent some time talking about the pitfalls, but if, uh, if the listener uh, likes what they've heard from you today and would like to, to make those very first steps in incorporating curation into their practice, what advice would you give them? Well, uh, yeah, like I said about the tech side, give, give, give it a go. Um, yeah. Don't worry about the tech. As we said, you don't, you don't need tech just to start mm. it. Uh, play about with it, see how it feels. Um, so I would say, you know, pick, pick a topic, maybe something you're looking at at the moment. Um, look at some resources, see what's out there, see how you would apply that to that particular learning need, that particular business need. Create a story. Mm-hmm. As we've been talking about, you know, um, how, uh, you know, what, what is that story, that learning journey for people? And then explore the engagement. What are you looking mm. to people to do with that? As we've talked about, you know, is, are you looking for people to reflect on it, apply it in some way? Um, you know, just give it a go yourself and um, try it out on some, you know, trusted colleagues uh, mm. and see what they think about it. Um, and I would also just point people to, if you want to do a bit of reading, a a good bit of reading was uh, for a book called Ready, Steady, Curate. Ready, sorry, I got it right. Ready, Set, Curate. I think I got that right. It's Ben Betsy's who, who wrote it with Alice Anderson. And Ben, as you all know, he's a big, big person in the kind of curation field. Mm. Um, and I'd recommend that book. It's a good book. It's a few years old now, but still very relevant. Um, and I think if you did, if you read that book while you were having a play, you'll find people will find that really um, fun mm. and I think enlightening. Yeah, wonderful. I'll put a link to that in the uh, the show notes. Uh, alongside Mike, um, uh, how people can uh, can connect with you. So, where, where would you recommend they do so if uh, if they wish to? Uh, main places on Twitter. That's where I kind of hang out on social media at Mike Shaw LD, but also on LinkedIn, of course. Um, mm-hmm. Always happy to to chat anything L and and particularly curation. Wonderful. Well, uh, Mike, all's left to say is thank you very much for being a guest on the Learning and Development Podcast. Thank you, David. It's been a lot of fun. As we mentioned, curation may be interpreted differently by L&D practitioners, but we should never lose sight of solving real problems with the tools we have, rather than just making more content available. Now, if you'd like to get in touch with me, perhaps to suggest topics you'd like to hear discussed, as Shona did, then you can tweet me at David in Learning and connect on LinkedIn, for which you'll find the links in the show notes. And goodbye for now.